Well, Pete Dominic joins us. He's the host Yay. of he's the host of Stand Up with Pete Dominic. How do people get your podcast? I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably any number of ways. Wherever you get a lot, of them, a lot of them come over to the house, and I hand it to them. <laughs> Here you go. Here it is. It's it's really hard to distribute it efficiently that way, but I do have three regulars that come by, and I hand them uh, a CD, and then they put it in their CD player. Is that it's true? Stand up with Pete Dominic anywhere you get your podcasts, your iTunes, your Spotify, your Google Play, even your YouTube. Are you taking time off for August? No, I wasn't <laughs> planning to, but... How I many days a like, week? How many days a week are you doing it? I do, I do a show every day. You do a show every day. How long is it? It's anywhere between an hour and a half, two hours, anywhere between one and three guests. Five days a week. Yes. Yep. I had uh, six guests on, what was it, Tuesday or Wednesday, the day after Joe Biden picked Kamala. I, I asked six people to weigh in on that. I thought it would be interesting to get black women, their reaction, because that was kind of a magical moment for black women specifically. So I wanted to kind of capture that moment. And uh, so I got four black women, one white woman and a black guy, uh, all, you know, brilliant commentators, analysts, a couple of PhDs to just weigh in on, on Kamala Harris. So, you know, every show is, is different. Some are reactions to the news. Others are, are deeper dives into Inter major major policy arenas, mm -hmm. arenas, Feldman. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like it. I love it. That's always what I've done. I always, I've always wanted to just ask questions to the smartest people I could find because I never really understood why anyone would listen to a talk show about important issues where there was just a host, just a guy, a Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, or same thing on the liberal side. Although Tom Hartman is pretty smart. Oh, Tom Hartman is amazing. Yeah, he's very. But but I mean, most most obviously most hosts can't carry a show with that much information that are that could be accurate and be thoughtful. So, but you know, so I I reach out to policy experts, academics, scholars, journalists, scientists, you know, and and uh, we we have thoughtful conversations about the things that they know the most about. That's it. That's the show, pretty much. So let me ask you questions that I should be asking myself, but. Oh. I'll project them onto you. Okay. It's August. Five days a week. Why aren't you taking a vacation? I took a week off in July for the first time since... Oh, okay. And how'd you do it? I just left. And what, what ran? Nothing. Weren't you, nothing. Weren't you afraid that people wouldn't come back? Yes. Did they and come back? Do, they did, and I got even more people now. I think that obviously need you always need a break when you're doing it every day, any kind of performance, if you will, or any kind of job. But next time I do that, I will post, you know, unheard things. It, it, it's just it's a lot of work. I do the whole thing myself. I get a little irritated by people, you know, some of these big name podcasts like The Daily. Uh, which is the New York Times, if you've ever heard that podcast, at the end of it, the host, Michael Barbaro, thanks like 27 people. I know. And I'm like, what are they doing? You do a, a 15, 20 minute episode every day. You talk to a couple people. I do all of the jobs of those 15 or 20 people and I, and I do it every day. And so, and I think it's just as good quality. I mean, it's, is a five minute conversation as satisfying or as educated or enlightening as a 25 or 30 minute conversation with the policy expert. I think a lot of people actually in this sound bitey, you know, or low attention span generation and time that we're in, I, I do think people like to listen to some people, a, a longer form, thoughtful conversation, which is why a show like Joe Rogan's is able to do as well as it does. Say whatever you want about Joe Rogan. He does a one-on-one -on -one show, often three hours. When I was on it, it was over three hours. And people like it. People like that. Enough people, for sure. So, Yeah, why do, why do they need 20 people to produce a half-hour podcast? Well, he's with the New York Times, so they have layer upon layer of bureaucracy. They have money that they can spend. And they're probably intangibles that they're paying for. 
But to the listener, it's interesting because it's it is an it is an inter, there's an interesting conversation to be had about corporate media versus kind of independent media. If you want to, if people understand what I mean by that, corporate media meaning uh, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, New York Times, Sirius XM. This show is corporate media. Your, My show is corporate show. media. Yeah, I would say I would put your show in the category of independent media, but maybe I'm missing something. Are you part of Sumner, Sumner Redstone's empire? Yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry for your loss then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a great man. The obituary for that guy, like I read, like top ten stories of the day or something, you know. So it's just like a, a quick paragraph about Sumner Redstone at the the Week magazine has a great summary every morning of, of the news. And David, it was like one paragraph and it was really mean like really bad like no one liked him he 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 was someone no one wanted to deal with his family hated him and now he's dead and now was, he's dead yeah speaking of dead people do you hear herman kane tweeting from the dead no it was what did he say night, last night herman kane's twitter account put out a few tweets and everybody went nuts but david allen greer just had the most straightforward hilarious response it was i it's just a reply that said, I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> There's just never a reply would, you would actually ever see on Twitter. Is, is he really tweeting? For, is his, account? his account tweeted a couple times, yeah. By the way, I've told, I told my kids that my, my estate, I'm leaving them my, my Twitter followers. That's all they get. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, they that's can split good. it. Then they yeah. can get some endorsement deals and, yeah. and monetize and be it. influencers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've decided this is corporate media. That's if you're independent, I'm I'm now corporate media. I don't think you are. Maybe S corporate. Maybe that's you're the a... mistake I'm making. I think that I, it's it's interesting because I think it's interesting. Maybe other people don't, but if you think about how much overhead and how much, what are you uh, doing? I just I killed a mosquito just now. You're multitasking. Blood everywhere. Well, I wasn't going to let him bite me or her just because I was talking to you. If you think about how much money they spend on, on you know, whether it be Sirius XM or CNN or the New York Times on their audio stuff, it's, it's crazy how many people they hire and how much they spend and all the benefits and everything. I'm doing all of it. Every job, every part of the job. I book. I'm the booking producer. I'm the host, I'm the researcher, I'm the editor, I promote it. And it's not that hard. I mean, it's a lot of work every day. And I wish I had help and I hope I will because it's growing. I'm making good money and maybe I'll be able to, if I continue to hire somebody part-time or something. But the point is, like, if you learn how to edit audio and I mean, what, what else, why do people not do that themselves? Because these platforms are available to all of us. And the technology, the cameras, the audio, it's all high quality. It's, and it's, it costs very little. So, so you ever that's think why that there's made, a, billion, a billion shows out there, too. But. Do you ever think that while you're busy learning the technology, other people in your position are learning how to manipulate others? What's what better? Mean? What's better, to learn how to do things by yourself or to learn how to manipulate other people to do things for you from for zero to little money. Well, I actually do know what's better because I, I was in that role for 14 years at SiriusXM. For the last 10, I had three people working on my show. And it's unbelievable how little work they did, come See, to find out. I have 500 people who work here. Oh, you, you do? Yes. Well, there's, I mean, there's obviously the flower arranger. <laughs> there's the lighting person. There's the book opener who puts the book open and on the stand behind you. Obviously, hair and makeup. Hairless and makeup. And, uh, you know, whoever else set decorates your nursing home looking room. <laughs> I spend, mo see, you're busy learning technology. I'm learning psychological mind games to get people to do things and convince them it's for the team. That's well, how I, that's I, I do that too. I think I do that too. Like right now I'm building a studio. I, if you like, I just came in from outside. That's another thing I learned to do basic carpentry and drywall and insulation. I'm, I'm I learned to do things for myself 
I can't do really complex things, but things that are within the realm of average intelligence I can accomplish. And then, I, but, but the things that are above my head, for example, I have a listener, listeners that have come over to help me do the electric and, and help me design and, and, and figure out all the carpentry stuff. Really? So yeah, I'm, so I do that too. I, but I wouldn't call it manipulation. Like they, they literally begged me to help. I didn't want to people to help me like that for free. Wow. But people like to help people. You have great, I don't think you have, a, I wish I had your listeners. My listeners show up and, and insult me and try to unionize. Well, and, you set the tone. I mean, I don't know. That, don't blame down. me. I, I'm, I'm the victim okay. in this. They come go into the chat room and distract the guests. They're animals. I wouldn't let them anywhere near my hovel. Well, when you talk about them that way, I mean, what do you expect? They know they're not. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> they're just here for the live chat. <laughs> they're just here to destroy things, and the people at home—they—they're—they're—they <laughs> yeah. they're use my show to drown out the sins and crimes against humanity that they're committing. But they don't pay attention to what I'm saying. I could never get one of my listeners to come over and build something for me some some hosts that have you know a decent following they they are uncomfortable meeting their audience their listeners their fans their followers whatever you want to call them and i know a lot of people are i on the other hand have become personal friends with like hundreds of listeners they're you know people who are way better than me that's always who i think i've I've always become friends with people who I think are far better than me and make me a better person by being with them. In, are we, in, are in we ever going to be friends? Ways. Are we ever going to be friends? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you befriend your listeners. I do. Yeah. I, I've ne and you know what's crazy? I've never even been remotely uncomfortable. And in any conversation because you're a real guy i maybe I you're don't know. you're a human being yeah i put a lot out there like I'm, yeah. i put out all my and nobody thinks i am uh the you're not hiding lady. anything no no they know when they rarely are people let down when they meet me in person they're like yeah what I, it's about what i expect like when with me like when with me the difference is with me is what you see you don't get what you see is what uh, you don't get. Right. With me, like when a woman would first see me naked in, a, in our first intimate encounter, they would see me naked and they would look me up and down and they would say to themselves, sometimes out loud, yeah, seems about right. No surprises. <laughs> That's about what I thought. Now, do you like your listeners? Love, love them, David. Lo like, yes, I talk to them. Several of them, almost every day. Let me day. write that down. I'm, this is good for me. To, you, you love the listeners? I, 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 yes, they have become okay. close personal And that friends. works, you're saying? They have become mentors. When I lost my job at Sirius, I was absolutely broken. I thought I would never be able to support myself, much less my family, doing what I loved anymore. You know, comedy was fine, but I didn't, I didn't want to do the type of comedy that I would have to do to make the type of living, meaning being on the road all year round. Right. I didn't want to do that. I'd rather be a janitor. I mean, I, I'll do a weekend a month at least, but I didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, I'm done. And I had hundreds, if not thousands of people reaching out to me, basically telling me, you're not done. Keep going. We'll pay. And I was like, all right. And I, and I, but I still did not think it would work, David. I didn't think that it would work to the point where I would be able to make earn enough doing a podcast that I'd be able to support my family. And yesterday, sorry if I'm getting too serious. No, no, I'm, I'm curious to learn how to do this because I, I, I had a, my formula is the complete opposite. Well, the difference, like I, I realize when I talk about. So you're saying, that, hang on, your listeners give you money. Yes. They subscribe to the podcast, which. You know, you do have to do it, I think. So you don't pay the listener. I'm just, you don't pay people to listen to you. I pay my, I do pay my, my parents because they are, you know, and my wife, like people who are with me a lot and know me well, don't want to hear me okay. at all. Have listeners pay you?
This is good. Go ahead. So they came to your rescue because they love you. Yes. Well, I you're a lovable guy. I like to think that the show itself was was a resource that made them feel like like they were learning and they were feeling connected and they were becoming a better person. I certainly became a better person over those 14 years because of the guests and and the audience. And so the type of show that I was doing, and you know, that's why no one should, should really compare themselves with me unless they did live radio with a giant platform like Sirius XM. I mean, yeah. When did you of, start on Sirius XM? Oh, 26, 206, maybe 2006. And you built a network there. I started, yeah, I, I, did a, I had a pretty smart trajectory where I got hired by the comedy channels to host a daily one-hour show. In the con- like a, I was a DJ. I was playing comedy clips. Then I turned it into interviewing comedians. And then I, you know, I interviewed all the, the, the comedians all over the country and uh, that came to New York, came to SiriusXM, well, Sirius at that time. Then they merged Sirius and XM, and I started doing a show on, on the kind of independent political channel, which was a huge platform opportunity, and CNN hired me and... And, you know, at that time I was working for the Colbert Report Daily Show. We talked about that a couple episodes ago when I was on. And um, but then I started doing, yeah, three hours a day. And I did that 12 years. Wow. Three hours a day, five days a week. And that, you know, it wasn't some massive million, you know, person audience, but it was it was big enough. I right. don't know what the numbers were, but it was big and that's enough an to amaz- in that's my a, own thing. That's an amazing, you know, I, that's an amazing run to do 12 years it was huge. It, it, you know, it was always, it was very scary because in our business, in this business, media entertainment, nobody gets that kind of run or longevity. So I always thought it would end at every contract. Well, actually, I didn't. I really felt good at SiriusXM. I had great relationships and the show was going well. I didn't think it would end until it did. Then I kind of saw because management changed and, you know. See, I uh, could never do that. I'm being serious. What could you never do? I could never do this for a corporate entity because yeah. I, I'm too... Uh, well, not that anybody. First of all, nobody would want me. That that's the first. I don't thing. think that's true. At oh all, no, no, no. Trust me. And secondly, I would be obsessed with trying to please the boss, and I would pull my punches. So I, I wouldn't be good at it, and I oh, and I'd be miserable. I, don't, I would be miserable trying yeah, to. You, you, listen, if you think that, then you're probably right. Yeah, I know. I, I know understand. what I'm like as a comedy writer. I can so, understand why you would think that. A lot of people just can't. You know, my dad couldn't work for somebody. My wife can't work for somebody. Um, I can, and I did, and I had no problems there, and they had no problems with me there. I mean, I, it was a great run. I, I ended, you know, with grace and confidence, but doing my own thing, I just didn't think I'd be able to to successfully monetize it. But but Did uh, you feel free to say whatever you wanted to say? See, yes. I would get paranoid. I, I did. I absolutely did. did. You suffer, do you never... suffer from paranoia? No. See, I do. What kind of paranoia? I, if I were working for, if I were doing this for some corporate chain where I had to answer and make money, I would brood about what I said and feel I, I couldn't do it. But those are hypotheticals. And I understand why you would think that. But if no one said anything to you for as long as no one said anything to me about my content, you would start to be more and more liberated all the time. And no one ever, you know, they would, my bosses would come to me and say, we want your, the show's gotten too serious in the the Trump era, too dark. We want you to be lighter and funnier, things like that. But they weren't necessarily wrong either. You know, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I would take those notes and, and try to apply them. And frankly, that's the only thing I miss is having editors and produce, people with other ideas, you know, to, to to help. But at the same time, I, I clash a lot with the people I worked with. And so that was that was that was challenging, you know, my, my directly with my producers in terms of just creative ideas and directions. And uh, no one ever, in my opinion, worked as hard as I worked on the show. No one cared, obviously, about the show as much as I cared about my show. And now I don't have to worry about all of that, any of that. I'm, I'm, I'm my own startup, my own business, and, and it's exciting. It's, it's scary and exciting, but it's a much better lifestyle, that's for sure. I'm in way better health. I don't have to commute into New York City every day, and I don't have to deal with, you know, a, a whole bunch of other folks and uh, be frustrated and, and do what you say you can't whoop, or could do, which is – you know, kiss a lot of people's ass and not necessarily, but I, but I also didn't like, I had a pretty good, 
reputation where people saw me coming. Oh, here comes Pete. He's going to be difficult. But we respect him for not, you know, kissing our ass. He tells us what he thinks and with, without being disrespectful or unreasonable. So you, say, I don't you, think, you, you could be difficult. Well, I, I just wasn't someone who I don't know if that's an accurate word. I think people liked it. I think I would come in and I'd say, listen, I don't like the direction that that we're going with this. I don't think we should be doing this. And most people in a corporate media are afraid to challenge their bosses. I was never afraid to challenge my bosses ever, ever, ever. I had I mean, part of maybe my downfall at serious. This is somewhat interesting is because I raised um, a real red flag and, and, and was very problematic over Sirius XM hiring Steve Bannon back. I worked mm-hmm. with Steve Bannon, same studio. Every day I saw him, he worked in the hosted the Bright Bar News doesn't channel. He? Uh, well, he's, he's ironically like garlic because I thought that's what stopped vampires. Right, but, right. No, but he but does yeah, smell. He's, he's got a bad odor. Well, he wears a lot of shirts. I mean, you would too. Right. He wears three or four collared shirts. So um, I created a, a big stink about that, and the executives did not like how far I, I, I took that. I didn't, go, I didn't go public with it, but I didn't, I didn't shy away from it either. Right. I don't know. I, like, I know it's hard to believe, but if I'm hired to do something, I keep my mouth shut, and I just do what I'm told. But... What are you hired to do? In my case, I was hired to do, you know... Kill a, a guy, usually. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. If you're, if you're a capo, that's a different story. I was just a host on a talk show. But I wanted... You know, if my name was going to be on something, I wasn't just going to take orders either. You know? right. I mean, same thing happened at CNN. I hosted a show there for like eight weeks, and I got in a lot... That was a lot different. I mean, I wanted to show video of flag-draped coffins at the 10-year anniversary of the Afghan war, and they were like, what are you, crazy? You know, so it was. Was this a comedy? Was a, yes, it was a comedy show I hosted called Flag Draped Coffin. <laughs> Flag Draped Baby Coffin, I think. With Sumner Redstone. Right. He co hosted. You know, I. Even as a stand up, I would stand up. Like, I would take on the audience. I'm just thinking what a coward I was. I would do an act and I would bully the audience but never stand up for myself off stage i always needed a manager an agent that's interesting to me i i've always thought there are a few different kind of of artists and i don't think it makes someone better or worse but i was the opposite of that i hated agents and managers and always did their job for them and then paid them a commission. And I always told them they worked for me. And I thought I was always fair. I mean, I, you know, with them, but I, I didn't, I did, and I didn't need them to do certain things either. I just needed them to do, you know, but I have so many stories about how terrible they all pretty much are as well. I had a guy, I basically was handing a $40,000 corporate gig. All he had to do was just, like do the paperwork and have the contract signed, and he just never returned the message to the buyer, and I lost it. Forty thousand. Yeah, it was like a four-day uh, hosting at a, like a corporate event thing. So, and, and did you, how did you take that? I tried to fight him physically. Yes. <laughs> Rich Super. Rich, I know that name. Yeah. He's Artie Lang's uh, manager at the time. I didn't have a a rep at the time that that, that this company wanted to hire me. And so I was like, well, let me just ask Rich, who I had a good relationship with. And he was really cool about it. I called him up. He's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. You called the super. Yeah, yeah. We had a good relationship with him because I was opening for Artie. And and I knew him well. And he's like, yeah, I'm happy to do that for you. And I was like, yeah, it's 4,000 bucks. Just, you know, nail it down, make a phone call. And uh, days, several days passed, and I didn't hear back. And I called him up, and he's like, I, uh, "Like he just, it just skipped his mind." So hard to think, uh, Artie I went, Lang. I, I hard to him. think Artie Lang's manager wouldn't be on top of things. I well, his his representative, he had all the biggest reps for personal appearance because he drew so big. I mean, well, it's not a hard job. It's not that hard of a job when you have a famous person to sell out a theater. And and we you know already would sell out theaters and and so this and sometimes he'd even show up 
for those. Oh, I got, I got plenty of stories about that. I had a problem back up one time, but I had to literally push him out on stage one time, and then he still fell asleep during his set in front of like 1,500 people. But, uh, you know, Rich was at this gig, and I said to Artie, I go, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront him over what happened when he lost. And, and I go, is that okay? I mean, he's your agent. I'm, I'm opening for you. It's, it's not necessarily appropriate. And I'll just never forget what Artie said. He goes, yeah, I mean, if you want to, just uh, wait till I'm watching. <laughs> he's like, I got to see this. Oh, but it, no, nobody, I, he's a, he isn't going to say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. He's going to say, I don't like the tone of your voice. No, he's going to he, say, he's going to say, you know what? The, the it, before we talk about the forty grand I lost for you, I don't like the way I'm going to tell you. This talking. is going to sound your tone of voice. I find it menacing. The, I'm scared this, now. This is going to sound arrogant, and I'm and I. But I want to say I've, that was the only time I think something like quite like that ever happened. It's not like I made a a, a pattern of this, but um. It, it, he, that wasn't he wasn't going no one in that situation was going to be uh i was in full control i had nothing to lose so you said let's fight no i just you know put my finger in his chest and, and told him that that was my that would have been my daughter's college tuition which is not at all exaggeration all he had to do was make a phone call and what did he say he was like apologetic and you put his finger on his chest well, I don't know if I touched the band, but I was like really got in his face. That stuff you can't do that anymore. Yeah, you can. <laughs> two, two men in Hollywood, sure. I yelled at a cop last week. I you, have problems like that. Yeah. I hate injustice. I hate injustice. I hate bullying. I hate uh, uh, authority for authority's sake. Like I like a law and order in a sense of like I'm I I follow the rules. I wait in line. I don't cheat anybody. I don't screw anybody over. I don't cheat at anything in my life. But if I see other people doing that, I don't care if you are the executive of the company or a police officer, I'm most likely I'm going to c- c- choose the battle, which is I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. It's certainly not for a lot of people, but for me, it generally is because I'm good at confrontation. I'm very good at confrontation. All right. So I'm working for you. Okay. Great. I, I, you hire me. I'm your producer. Yeah. The phone rings. Pete has been offered uh, half a million dollars to fly down to Petto Island. They've cleaned it up. And they're doing a corporate gig for, I don't know, Victoria's Secret. Just a good company. It's clean now. And I write the message down. But then I get hungry and distracted and I forget to give you the message and you lose $500,000. Yeah. You find out about it a week later. Yeah. What do you say to me? I work for you. I don't say anything to you. I would take your life. Please. No, seriously. I would I would murder you. For, I mean, listen, you're, you're the one who picked half a million dollars. If you had picked $5,000, that had been a different response for me. Half a million, you, you, you would probably kill yourself over that. <laughs> well, I'd but, feel kind of good that you lost out on half a million Well, it dollars. would be my fault for having my producer handle my personal appearance. Right, I'm busy, though, and I was having a bad day. Let's say it's $5,000. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be would my Would you producer. put your finger on my chest? I would... I would I would be very upset with you. Would and you, would, would you know, violate I, my space? No, I'd probably be over the phone because of COVID. Okay, forget COVID. We're, we're in, uh, no. Okay, so I I'm don't working. Like your hypothetical. Okay, I'm working for you. We're in the same building. Yeah, I I one, I had the one of the worst situations I had where I reacted very negatively was when a producer of mine. Uh, we had a meeting and we created a new responsibility for her, which was to basically schedule a tweet, Feldman. So when my show replayed at 10 p.m., which it replayed every night at Sirius XM, there would be a scheduled tweet that would go out just before 10 p.m. that would say coming up on the stand up with Pete Dominic replay. And so she was now that was part of her job. Every day she would schedule that tweet as one of her many responsibilities. And so she did it for a few weeks. And then uh, a few weeks after that, I noticed that the, the tweet wasn't going out. And I went back and it had been for over a month. It wasn't going out. 
And I said to her, I go, what, what happened? Have I missed something? I don't see that, that tweet anymore reminding listeners of the replay. Yeah. And she said, we had a conversation where we didn't think it was that effective. I go, I, we did. And she goes, well, not you weren't there. I was like. I, All right, so let me be that person. I'm your yeah. producer. And we're in the same room. They've yeah. cured COVID-19. Uh, oh, wow. That's, okay. We're all in a great mood now. Now I'm kissing my producer. And I'm pro- I told her not to send that tweet out. It's, it's a waste of uh, tweets. We're trying you to save can't money. Do, you, you cannot do that. You can't do that. We're trying to save characters. That's fine. Let's, let's talk about it. You can't do a thing or not do a thing without talking to me. That's how I, we make our decisions but together. But that's my job is to... To, to insulate you so you don't have to worry your 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 head about no that's not a worry there's no concern we when we no we have a standard that we have where we set up we, uh, ideas and procedures and responsibilities and that would be the equivalent of me not opening the show on the microphone yeah I decided I didn't want to talk in the mic anymore but as a producer that's your job that your I, job is to do A B and C and if you stop doing either of these three things. Without any conversation, then you stopped doing your job. You stopped performing your responsibilities. My job is to manage everybody. And I felt that wasn't the best use of her time. Then you should have spoken to me about that. But if that. I speak to you about everything I do, you're going to realize how little I do. I have to create a mystery about my job and make it sound well, more complicated it, than it is. I'm sorry that we're arguing about this, but you are fired. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't like the, I don't like the tone of your voice when you say I don't, that. I don't, I'm not concerned with what, how you feel about the tone of my voice. That tone is in, in, in no way. Did, in, you, in, did, did you just say fired? Yes. yes I, I, I don't feel safe now that you've said that. I understand. I wouldn't feel safe either if I just got fired. No, no, that, this, is, this is not a good uh, work situation for me. There's nobody that thinks that but you, and I'm recording this, so you can bring it to HR. I'm going to bring it to HR. When you say fired, that's, yes. I, I, I find that's menacing. That's scary. You're, you're, you're holding the job over me, and I, I, I'm threatened and scared. Yeah. That Well, you should be, because I'm going to cut your head off and shut down your neck. <laughs> Take that to HR and smoke it. <laughs> hey, how do you get a job in HR? That sounds like a lot of fun. That that would be a job. I actually have a friend. I don't want to violate a trust here. Let's just say uh, she is married to a lawyer who handles a lot of HR issues. Dana Gould. Yes, as a matter of fact, yes. And boy, when he comes home, does he have stories to tell? Especially since 2017. It's a weird, it's, it, HR is a lot more than, you know, sexist and racist comments and handling, uh, you know, employee misbehavior. Most of it, I think, is horrifically boring. I don't, no. Know. I don't know. No, no. It's an interesting job. I yes. have no idea. Obviously. You'd be amazed I mean, at how yeah. stupid men are. No, I wouldn't. Nope. I think I have a really good handle on that. I walk into situations and I go, Did, have you been reading the paper for the past 30 years? You can't, you cannot do that. HR is not, is not there to protect employees. They're there to protect the company and its interests. And, 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 and if it is there to imply, uh, protect the employees, it's there to protect the, the employee in the, in the conflict who they consider to be more valuable. So if, if I have a conflict with you and you're, a higher paid, uh, more valuable in their mind asset to the company, then I might as well not bring that because that, that complaint, because, and that's, and that's true of every major company. I think it's certainly media, certainly in media, but yeah, I mean, it's, you have to be very overt if you're the executive or the higher up to, to get in trouble because the lower ranking person is just generally not going to go to HR and say, listen, the guy who, makes millions of dollars for our company every year, Matt Lauer, he, he raped me. Well, you're fired. We can't, you're just in a, you know, you're a, you're an assistant. You're an assistant. You're of no value to us. You are expendable. He is not. And that's the type of thing that has up until recently. I mean, it's still happening obviously, but it's, it, there's been a major change in that, I think in terms of the most egregious behavior, but it's still, if something is suspect or in any way kind of a gray area, you got to be very careful if you're the person not 
you know, the lower ranking, newer employee, et cetera. Now, you're not the partner. You're not the executive. Let me ask you about Ellen. Yeah. Do you think, don't you think she's being railroaded out of town because Warner Brothers doesn't want to pay her anymore? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know much about that situation. I know that. I mean, they could solve their Ellen problem. You well, know, no, I mean, I don't a know. A million dollars. They could write a million dollars worth of checks and that problem goes away. I don't know. I think there was a, enough critical mass of people who had worked with her who had had problems with her where it made a difference. Maybe not. I don't know. I just feel like if her ratings what I don't were... Like, what I don't like is that you have a lot of celebrities vouching for her. What I do know is that, and I was at you know, Sirius for 14 years, and that's a major media company where A-list celebrities work there and come through every day, including on my show. We had, you know, the biggest names. And you would always, and you know this. Did I ever do your show back then? I think so. I thought you were going to go, no, we had the biggest names. I was sending up. Go ahead. Uh, Let's try it again. Did I ever do your show? No. Okay. And I hope you did. But if, if a big name person would come in, I would always watch how they would treat everybody in the room. Not only me, the host. Or you just watch how they treat people. And the idea that I'm going to treat you, an A-lister, really well. If I'm Ellen and you're Kevin Hart. He comes out and says, she was always nice to me. I mean, of course she was. Right. Of course she was nice to the A-list stars. And again, I don't know anything about Ellen or that situation, but it's very common in entertainment and media where the, the on-air talent people, the famous people, the highest paid people are very nice. And it's true of everything. It's true of varsity high school sports. You treat the starters, the other star names, you know, big players one way, and you treat the scrubs and the bench sitters another way. I learned that in high school. And I and I it's abhorrent to me to treat people differently. And and it seems as if that's what was going on in her situation. But isn't that I I agree with you. But the reason she got to be Ellen is she kissed up and kicked down. So I don't know about that. I think I think people can change when they get to be have a certain amount of power and celebrity and fame. And listen, she I don't think that's true. I think Ellen got to be Ellen because she's that talented. She's that good. It's the same of Stephen Colbert and Conan O'Brien. Now, I worked for Stephen and I know Conan's reputation. Stephen Colbert is the best, in my opinion, comedian of our generation, period. He's he's the best. He can do anything. He also treated everybody that worked for him excellently. And he fired me. And I'm saying that. So, like, he treated everybody. He, he let me go because he didn't think I was committed enough to be in the warm-up, and he needed somebody that was going to be there every night, and I was taking this gig and that gig. And but here, Here's the difference between Ellen's show and Colbert's show. Ellen's show sucks. What, what, the, the, the people who work for Ellen can be replaced like that. They're, you don't have to be talented to work on Ellen's show. I, I don't know anything about her show to say. Well, have you watched it? But I know that the Colbert Report... No, 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 hang on for one second. It's shit. I don't know. I, it's, I've a, never, it's a shit I've show. I've never watched that it's show. It's a shit all show. The, well, all of those shows then are. Yes, it's a shit show. So any, they any can all be that, replaced. I don't know. I think writers are, are comedy It's writers. a shit show. I, I mean, just felt did, like I don't know. Why, did Alan touch you inappropriately? No, but, you know, like... They, they purposely put shit on television so everybody can be replaced, including Ellen. I don't think that's that. I don't think that's true. I don't, I don't I just. But it doesn't matter. It's garbage. It doesn't. But that doesn't that doesn't mean anybody should be treated poorly by anybody else. Right. And I agree with regard, you. you. You can look at certain celebrity A-list hosts of talk shows and we all know, we know what their reputation is. We know who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, who the crazy people are. And it's a very, and I, I will give, you know, a lot of, I have a lot of, uh, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to most on-air hosts. Your name is on the show. All those people that are working for the show, their job is dependent upon how good the show is, how good the ratings are, and so on. And if it's a live show, it's it's way even way more pressure than live to tape you know I, I worked at cnn and msnbc for years and 
being in the control room of live cable news, every executive producer is screaming and cursing every day. To make their job to make their jobs seem more important than they really are. No, no, because in that atmosphere, when you have a live host who is talking to a reporter on the scene, and you have an audio issue or the video goes out, no, no EP is going to be calm in that situation. What happened? What happened? We just lost the feed. We lost it. Get the feedback. Get that fucking feedback right now. That's that's live TV. It's also, I think, to some extent, live radio. I mean. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying everybody in that situation acts in a way that uh, uh, with a sense of urgency. Well, I will tell you this. I'll tell you this. When the stakes are really high, the people are really calm. Pilots, astronauts, surgeons. When you're doing a shit job and you're insecure, you don't know what you're doing. And you can be easily be replaced, like being the EP of Anderson Cooper. That's a shit job, shit show. I don't think so. I so th- you scream and make it sound like it's more pressure no, than it I, really I, is. You're right. The stakes are high when you're on live CNN. They're not life or death, but they're a lot of people's jobs. Not really. It's not that important. It's not, and it's you're, not. You're good. Yes, it is. If you if you're going to lose your job because there's no picture on the screen right now. Or any number of technical issues, you know, it happens in sports too. But, you, but if the patient Those is are high stakes, the stakes are. Did you ever? Do you ever fly a you're, commercial you're, airline? Your ignorance is offensive, and your comparison is horrific. Okay, I've hijacked many planes. You have? Yes. I don't want to get into it, but have you ever tried to hijack a plane and fly it? <laughs> but. When you're I was on a plane that a man, a, a, a man went crazy and I took him down along with other passengers. And the thing that I'm What'd most you, upset about that is that the news never picked up on it. I would have been a hero, My, you know, and no one knew. No one heard about that. Hang on. I should, I, I should have leaked it. You're, you're leaked, so- leaked my own hero, hero story <laughs> I would, to the news. Yeah, we were flying from Sicily to New York, and a man went nuts. And was me he and two Sicilian? other passengers, yes, and me and two other passengers subdued him. And once we uh, subdued him physically, uh, I was standing there, and he reached up and he grabbed my shirt, Feldman, and pulled my shirt back, and it ripped off of my body, and, and my shirt was hanging off of my my body, and my bare chest was out, and I was in the best shape of my life. I basically looked like John McClane from Die Hard, and my chest was out. Like, the whole plane saw me shirtless saving the plane, and nobody knew about it until my appearance on today's show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know what the air... And the airline thanked me later by sending me uh, a package and in the package, and I'm not kidding you, was a CD compilation of music and like a shaving kit and a call, like a brush for a bald man. Wow. They didn't give me a free ticket. They didn't get, that was it. It was just a generic package that any flight, that any passenger could have been given and I saved that plane. And nothing the craziest thing about that was when we tackled him and, and I took my belt off and tied his ankles to the, the seat in, in the airplane. And some guy came from the back of the plane. This is typical of, of Sicily, which is not Italy. And he said, I'm a doctor. And I'm not kidding you. I, I'll never forget this. And he pulled out a syringe and he pumped it in this guy's arm like it was like a, uh, you know, a tranquilizer of some sort. But can you imagine just like the, the legality of that? <laughs> Of sticking someone with a needle, and uh, the guy was a big guy, and, and it wore off, and then he tackled me. Was your lady with you at the time? Yep, my, my daughter was nine months old at the time, and my wife was with me, and yeah, she saw the whole thing, and, 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 and she was disappointed in me. No, seriously. Yes, she was like, why did you have to do that? Why does it have to be you? Why do you want to be a hero? Hmm. But that's my mentality. I've always done that. To toot my own horn. If I see someone being a dick at a grocery store or traffic, I am the guy. I don't sit there. I, I don't. I'll probably die in that way, but I would, I'll would. i be happy dying that way. I cannot watch someone be uh, bully another person. I cannot. 
I can't go I don't outside. even like to see people spank their kids in public. I've, I've, I've reprimanded people who do that. Yeah, they should always spank their kids privately. Yes. You, yes. I, I was, in, you know, I'll never get on the subway. I saw this woman spank her kid. And I was like, how would you like it if, if someone here hit you? That's preposterous. You've just hit a child. And what'd she say? She stabbed me four times in the chest. Could you walk around? You're, you're in good shape, right? Yes. You can beat guys up? No. I don't <laughs> fight, but I make people think I can. I'm a small guy. Will you walk around New York with me and tell people to put masks on? I had a homeless guy uh, asking for change once. Oh, you told handling. the story last week. Oh, uh, he beat me up yeah. twice. Almost twice. But are, see, I'm worried. Like, I'm afraid to go outside. Thank you for stopping me before I told that story again. I'm afraid to go outside. Are you really? Like, you, are you really afraid? That I'm going to walk up oh, to... of the COVID? No, that I'm going to walk up to a young guy and tell him to put his mask on. My sister was at Hackensack Hospital running an errand, and she... And she said, I can't do a New Jersey throwdown with this lady. She showed me a picture of this woman who wasn't wearing a mask in the hospital. And this woman, I don't mean to be cruel, should have been wearing a mask with or without COVID-19. That seems unfair. Yeah. And she, she had an ugly, ugly, ugly face. Yes. And, I, and my sister texted me. I said, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, I do it. I always do it. I've only seen one person not wearing a mask in public. And I was, it was at a rest stop and I was literally walking out and I just, it was a young guy and I was just like, yeah. Yeah. There was a guy, I ran into a guy at a rest stop who wasn't wearing a mask. Um, Probably the same guy I ran into. Yeah. Tab? His name was Tab? Uh, no, he was Orthodox Jewish. So I, I imagine it wasn't Tab. Oh, so he, he had a mask, but he had a hole in the middle of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a myth, by the way. You know what? They will not. Add. This is what drives. First of all, you're not Jewish. Let me just point I, uh, out. But you I should am. be. I am. I am probably more Jewish than you are. Well, you do. You know what? If, if people, I'm also blacker than black people and gayer than gays. Yeah, that, that's true. Just for the record. And everybody knows that I'm more Jewish than Jews, more black than. <laughs> I am telling I you. I understand women better than they understand themselves. They will not give me a straight answer about the hole in the sheet. They'll give that. I've had, I've, I, no. My wife works with a lot of Orthodox and ascetic people. Oh, and, so when she, my wife also, so am I my supposed wife, to say when she makes love to them? <laughs> my <laughs> wife says when she fucks these clients of hers, yeah. they never uh, cut a hole in the sheet. She says, okay. maybe I shouldn't believe my wife. Pete Sounds Dominic. Like that's what he's saying. I'm sorry, Professor Ben Burgess? Oh, no. I mean, I, I, just, I was just wondering why you were maligning Pete's wife. I wasn't maligned. Are you kidding? You don't want to get Pete angry. He, to be fair, David has made love to my wife twice. Yeah. I told my wife last night that I would, I'm fully supportive of her being with another man sexually. Really? What do you think of that, Ben? Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as she's not, you know, as long as that man respects her enough that he doesn't need to hold the sheet, that seems fine. <laughs> well, I said they can't kiss. Because of COVID. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got to have that, that pretty no, I think rule. No, but you're a philosopher, and, and as we transition, if you will, from me to you and step it up, I, <laughs> I think, like, this is what I said to her, and I'm being serious. Okay. When my wife makes a, a great meal, because she's Sicilian and a great cook, and, and several people enjoy it, that's great. When my wife uh, had, does anything that other people benefit, that's great. My wife is a sexy, gorgeous, beautiful woman. Why am I the only person who gets to enjoy her sexually? Do I own her? She's been having yes. sex with me for ni 19 years. And, you know, it's, I, I want her to be happy. And if being with another, in, in every way, and my wife likes nice weather, a good meal, and she's not a super sexual person, but she obviously enjoys sex like any human. And so if somebody else was providing that for her, my only issue would be like, you know, I don't want you to be like have a deep emotional relationship and replace me that way. But it, like if she's on vacation and I'm not there or she goes out to a club or something and wants to hook up with another guy, like I'm fine with that. We've been together 19 years. Like wow. I just don't. I'm I and. Um, wow. Yeah, I have. I don't. You're 
I want her to be happy and I want her to be able to other people to enjoy, whether it be a meal or anything else nice that she has that, uh, to offer the world. Oh, see, that's weird. I always thought you marry a woman for the sole purpose of making... <laughs> I looked over the chat and it just said, cuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, don't read the chat room. That's Nothing so good ever comes from reading yeah, the I chat just, room. I don't, and by the way, when I told her that, I'm just going to, just so everybody listening, mm-hmm. when I told her that, she said... I'm probably more attracted to you than I ever have been because of how confident you are and how generous you're being. It was, I wasn't expecting that. I thought I was being logical in a way. And I just, I'm not worried about her leaving me or us, you know, I just, it, it, that actually, and it's also a lot of this stuff comes from Esther Perel, who's really interesting to, to read. And, and oh, the hand sanitizer. No, Esther Perel. Yeah, is like Esther an, Purell. No, it's P-E-R-E-L. And don't use hand sanitizer to masturbate. And on that note, I'll let you head over to your philosopher. He's not going to be a good way. Are you kidding? All right. This got good. To be continued. Thank you. Pete Dominic. Anybody who wants to have sex with my wife, reach out. Jesus. um, And I'll I'll send photos. Wow. Uh, I'm not, no, I'm not arranging it for her. She's got to earn it. By the way, I did a joke. I did a joke on my stand-up act about this. I said, I talked to my, uh, to my wife about having an open marriage. Or she, she brought it up to me because my brother's in an open marriage. So we were talking about it. Could we ever do that? And I said, yes, immediately. And she said, you could, you'd be okay with that? I go, yeah, I would be. And then moments later, after I thought about it, I said, you know what? Maybe not. She said, why? Why would you change your mind? I go, because I thought about it and you could get laid in an instant. Right. And it would take me three months of trust building and humor and thoughtfulness and romance before any woman would be like, okay. Right. And then they still wouldn't because they wouldn't believe that that was a, a relationship detail that I was uh, not making up for my own benefit. So it's not, I'm not going to see the benefits, but she would. Wow. Also, Bridget, uh, what's her name? She's a supermodel and actress. Bridget Moynihan. She's beautiful, right? She's Tom Brady's ex. They have a kid together. And she said to me at an event, I was friendly with her. We're at an event. And my wife was talking to her husband. That's the last thing I'll say. This is good. And she said, wow, our spouses are really hitting it off. Now, she's a six foot three gorgeous supermodel. I'm looking up at her. She goes, maybe we should swap. And you know what I said? Immediately, without any hesitation. Yes. How about now? How's now? And? And she giggled and tussled my hair. Is there a deflate gate joke? No, she was over him. Huh? Actually, my wife knows my wife knows so few anybody about celebrities. When I told her in front of Bridget uh, uh, Moynihan that my, I go, she was married to Tom Brady. My wife said, "Who's Tom Brady?" So. All right. Yeah. Well, Pete, there's well, a lot for me story. to chew on. Glad that whole story bombed. No, there's a lot for me to chew on here and process. Pete Dominic is the host of Stand Up with Pete Dominic. And uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Thank you. All right.